0: What's up? what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody, 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 everybody. You are listening to The Bounce, as always, folks. This is season two, episode 62. My name is Jabara Anderson with the co-host, L'Oreal. How are you doing, L'Oreal?
1: I'm doing fantastic, and I'm ready to get on a roll for this week.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's March already. It's March, and we are... Balling like it's mars madness man february went by so fast oh man oh start this show up right because you know we have to talk about this so apparently you know new New york city is they have a lot of things going on i mean they have you know millionaires celebrities billionaires and they have a mayor you know they do have a mayor you know Eric eric adams but with that being said, New York City has this vaccine mandate, which we we have been talking about for a while since the season began, obviously, because New York City is not the only city, but it's one of the cities. And who plays in New York City? The New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously, who is not vaccinated is Kyrie Irving. Yes, if you're not vaccinated, you cannot play at all. You can't, you, you can't even have a job. The New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, he did say if everything goes well, by March 7th, New York City, according to him, this is what it says. New York City will lift the vaccine mandate that will have unvaccinated people go to indoor dining, fitness, and entertainment venues. That does not mean that Kyrie Irving is going to have to play these home games. Because why? Because they're assisting as a private sector mandate. That private sector mandate is still there. Kyrie Irving can still enter the building. He can still enter as a spectator, but he cannot play. L'Oreal, should Kyrie Irving be able to play full-time with the mandate being lifted?
1: I think that Kyrie Irving should. And we understand that there's a lot of things that's going to happen anyway because of this. We don't really know what's going to really happen with Kyrie. And also, we don't really know if New York is even going to keep this mandate for any much longer because we have seen when states in the past have lifted mandates or gone back and forth with either enforcing mandates or just not having mandates. We have seen changes. And those changes have not always been positive, especially when you think of COVID still being around in the pandemic. And I know that Mayor um, Adams himself, he has said that, you know, of course, with this mandate happening and being lifted, of course, people are going to look at Kyrie Irving being out, and I remember he said that, well, I don't want Kyrie Irving to be a bad example of what has happened. I get that, but also you, I think for Adams, he has to understand too that this mandate is much bigger than just Kyrie Irving, you know, going the way free. Because when you think about this mandate, when you think about New York and just New York City and New York as a state, they have one of the most heavily and dense populations in this entire country. So when you think about the mandate that you're going to lift where people can go into like entertainment venues and all these other stuff indoors, I mean, you're already setting a bad example of allowing this to happen. So really, even if Kyrie Irving were to come back, I don't think if Kyrie Irving coming back is going to him, you know, proving to everybody that he was right or something like that, because Adams had a choice. You know, he don't have to lift this mandate. And I'm sure it's for all other reasons besides the Kyrie Irving situation. But we have to really look at that more so than Kyrie Irving trying to just, you know, get away from this. But I just think that if Kyrie Irving, because the thing is, if he's going to be in the building, I mean, he might as well play. And I just feel like if you're going to lift the mandate, you might as well let him play and let him do that. And also, let's, we got to understand that Kyrie Irving is not the only unvaccinated player in the NBA. There's still a few other players who choose not to be vaccinated. And of course, they have the right to do that because they're not in a certain area where they have to worry about getting the vaccine. But if Kyrie Irving can play full time because this van- this vaccine mandate is being lifted, I think he deserves to. And I don't think that it's him being right or anything like that. But obviously, if you're allowing all these other people that Kyrie Irving was trying to vouch for when he was talking about you know, his stance on the vaccine because they was losing jobs and all of that. Well, you know, you're giving these people opportunity to get jobs back or do whatever they couldn't do without being vaccinated. Let Kyrie Irving have that chance. And we know that Kyrie Irving coming back is going to be very, very important because we don't know when Ben Simmons is gonna come back just because of now we're hearing more about he having back issues. Kevin Durant, he hasn't still played yet. So we don't know what's going on with him. So to get Kyrie Irving back full-time, especially with this mandate being lifted, I just think it makes sense because I feel like he's allowed to. And for Brooklyn, I'm sure this is another, you know, sense of relief weight off their shoulders that they can have a guy that can be fully ready, fully available for them, especially during this time of when they got to go into the playoffs and you got to compete for a championship.
0: I'm sure last month when the team heard from Eric Adams that, hey, if everything goes right, no surprises, the vaccine mandate will be lifted by March 7th. And I'm sure Brooklyn was like, oh, we're excited. Kyrie can eventually play home games. We're going to feel proud. We're going to be great. It's going to be good. That's why if you saw that game when it went against the Milwaukee Bucks, they were happy. They felt thrilled. They It was a big win in Milwaukee. No Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons. Kyrie Irving led them, and they're thinking, oh, my God, this is amazing. We're, here. We're finally going to have the whole squad together. But now that they heard this, this changes everything for the Brooklyn Nets. Everything. This Now, that doesn't mean that it's not eventually going to change, but it does pause. It does kind of hold that feeling like, dang, when is he going to play? Now, I will say this right now, and even though, to me, we agree that Everyone should be vaccinated. I had no problem that, that they had the vaccine mandate in New York City. I had no problem with it. The one thing that I had an issue with before, you know, we heard about, you know, about this vaccine mandate being lifted on March 7th for other reasons. I never understand how the home team, everybody who plays for the Knicks or the Nets, have to get vaccinated to play. But for people who are visitors, like, like the Nuggets with Michael Porter Jr. or Jonathan Isaac with the Orlando Magic. They can play in Brooklyn or New York City and not be vaccinated. That doesn't make any sense to me. To me, that doesn't make any sense. And here's the thing about Kyrie Irving. Even though Kyrie Irving plays for the Brooklyn Nets, he's not a resident in New York City. He's not a resident. He's a resident in New Jersey. He just comes to New York City to play basketball. And he, and unfortunately, he can't because of the vaccine mandate. I never thought now one bit that they should have this. And this is how they're going to do it. Seriously. Exactly. And now and now here's, here's, the thing, here's the thing. Now that they have it, this could be in the case that, hey, well, they're going to lift up this vaccine mandate by March 7th for other reasons, just so Kyrie Irving could be a spectator. I, wh- what? That's like invited people to come inside a restaurant, but they can't eat or drink. I don't understand why you want your haters to come in the building. Right. Just just to know they can't party. Like <laughs> that don't make no sense. That don't make any sense. That that's and I'm and listen, I understand you want to make the right decision. I'm not denying that you want to make this thing right. I understand that. I'm cool with that. But don't try to tease people saying, like, well, I'm gonna lift up this vaccine mandate, but I'm gonna have this private sector mandate still there. If you're going to have a vaccine mandate, let it be effective for all people. Everyone who is a resident there and everyone who is a visitor coming to New York City. That would be a part that I would defend Kyrie Irving there. He should be a, a full-time player playing simple. Because if that's the case, because if Michael Porter Jr. or Jonathan Isaac could play, then that means Kyrie Irving should play. Playing simple. Yeah. When they play in Brooklyn, it's not good. They're, they're below five. They're like 13 and 17 in Brooklyn. It, it hasn't been well. And I and I'm sure that because Kyrie Irving can't play home games, it's a part of it. It's definitely part of it. I mean, maybe maybe it's the main reason why. And I think that a lot of people are looking at the same because he's a part-time player they're going to say well that's the reason why they're losing all these games. They're 5 and 10 when Kyrie Irving plays, but I think their context needs to be set here. Kevin Durant has been out since mid late January. Does anybody believe that the Brooklyn Nets will be an AC right now with KD and Kyrie? Oh no.
1: No. Absolutely exactly.
0: Not. Exactly. So, we can't put this all on Kyrie Irving. Even though we we have we can say that we disagree with his decision the thing is that he made his his decision, regardless if he want to say that he's anti-vax or not. He, I mean, he he, just, he don't want to take the vaccine. That's fine. That's his that's his decision. And he's willing to accept the rewards and consequences. It's going to be int- interesting to see how the Brooklyn Nets are going to be if indeed this just changed. Like, what we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe in late March, they will eventually change this mandate where Kyrie Irving can play. And, I, and I'm sure when Kyrie Irving can play, that'll be a blessing for the Brooklyn Nets so then they can prepare for the playoffs next month. If you look at their schedule, they go against Miami, Boston, Charlotte, Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks. Kyrie Irving can only play 3 out, three out of those next 5 games. Mm-hmm. They better hope that Kevin Durant comes back cuz they what is their record right now? 32 and 31. They better hope that Kevin Durant comes back in these next 5 games. And we'll talk about Ben Simmons a little bit later, but man, whoo, this whole week to week thing Back issues. We're not really going to start about being Sill. We'll talk about Ben Sill a little, little bit later. But all I would say is that I believe that Kyrie Irving should play, plain simple. So speaking of another team that's in their division, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, let's talk about the 76ers. So obviously last Friday, yeah, last Friday, James Harden made his debut. And James Harden has been playing very well in two games. He's averaging 28 points, 14 assists, nine rebounds. It's amazing when he starts to play Better, I guess, you know, say went from what was it? He went from a guy who had this fake fat suit to now he looking skinny once again. I I never believed that. But hey, you know, it seemed pretty cool, especially that fake hamstring. He probably had as well. (laughs) But here, James Harden playing well alongside with Joel Embiid, who's averaging 29, four assists, 11 rebounds. This this. Listen, these guys collectively are averaging about 18. 19 free throws per game and they are playing very very well they are third seed their record is 37 and 23 they are three games behind the first seed they can still go after the first seed are the 76ers the favorites to come out the east
1: um i think that they should be considered the favorites most definitely because like i said when we talked about this philly and brooklyn trade what Philly got with James Harden is that they got a guy who can be a facilitator, and they have a guy who can pretty much be that floor general. I think that adding James Harden into this team, I think you instantly see his impact, and you see his impact because numbers wise, I mean, James Harden is averaging nearly a triple double, like that's how good his numbers has gotten. He's he's moving more like. I don't know if the hamstring injury was fake or not, but James Harden, he's just moving a little bit more freely. You can see that he's gelling very, very well with Joel Embiid. We can even say Tyrese Maxey, which I'll talk about a little bit later, and um, Matisse Thybul as well. But James Harden, his main role in Philly was to be a facilitator to help initiate that offense, take the pressure off of Joel Embiid. And what's crazy is that Joel, he can just beat Joel. I think Joel, he's not going to stop really averaging 30, you know, anytime soon, because that's the thing. Like James Harden was never meant to really block be from what he can do. He was just meant to really help be more so be wouldn't have so much pressure being the main guy, because we know with his history of injuries and him just starting to average career numbers, we need to keep him afloat so that he can be able to do what he can do, especially for Philly. Now, I do want to shout out one person, and we have to shout out to Tyrese Maxey. This kid is special. And the past couple games since Harden has been on this team, he has averaged at least 25 points a game. That's incredible. And I think when you think about like the games recently they went against, they went against um, Minnesota and they went against the Knicks just recently, you see Maxey just hitting shots, like hitting mid range, hitting hard jumpers sometimes against really good defenders. He is really playing this role. And who knows? We might actually have a big three in Philly because if you have Maxi giving you at least 20 points, you have Embiid giving you at least 30, you have Harden averaging a triple-double. That's your big three right there. And then on top of that, Philly just all together, they just play much more smoothly now. Like there's a lot more ball movement. There's guys who are actually making shots, whether it be Embiid or Harden or somebody else. I think Philly is clicking now that they have a guy who can help, you know, shift the gears a little bit. But the reason that I don't think that Philly should be considered the favorites is that we still have other teams we have to consider. Miami is first. Brooklyn, hopefully they can get it together in time with injuries. They can still have a chance. Milwaukee still have a chance. They're climbing up in the standings. You have Cleveland, all these other teams. I think with Philly is that they're doing good right now with what they have, but how are they really going to do against these other teams, you know, regular season or playoffs? Because Philly can do right good right now, but can they really go against Brooklyn? Can they go against Milwaukee? Can they go against all these other teams? And I think that even though Harden is doing well with B, which We aren't surprised, really. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit because I know a lot of people who, you know, think that Philly are just going to jump into the finals. I don't think so yet. They have to be able to show me that they can beat these other Eastern Conference teams to really, you know, give them that kind of credibility. yet.
0: So are they the favorites or they're not the favorites? I said no. Okay, all right, because from the beginning, you said you consider... No, remember, I
1: said in the beginning, I said they should consider to be the favorites consider, it just with consider. this question with this question i get it it's yes or no but i think with what philly has you can't say that they can't be the favorites i mean you can't like that you would be, can't well no you can't you can't but like like i said like i just don't think they're the favorites because i need to see what they can do okay. against other eastern conference teams
0: okay all right um, to me, they are not the favorites to come out the east, and here's the reason why. A lot of people keep on bringing it up about. Look, <laughs> this is funny. When James Harden first stepped on the floor and they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, I was hearing people saying, "You can see how, you know, with James Harden, he can score at all three levels. He's playing so effective. He's a threat anywhere he's at. Joe Embiid is still getting his numbers. You can see a team is playing better." And obviously all this stuff is a shot at Ben Simmons. I mean, if you talk to a 76ers fan, they they are throwing shots at Ben Simmons, which, listen, I I ain't no supporter of Ben Simmons. Y'all know how I feel about Ben Simmons. But still, I could just hear everybody throwing shots at Ben Simmons when they speak about James Harden. However, even though Harden and Embiid are going to do what they have to do to help their team win, this is the reason why I cannot say they are the favorites. One, they have a weak bench. Who's their bench, really? Who's their bench? George Niang, uh, Paul Millsap, uh, Frank Kermez, I guess, Shake Milton, uh, possibly, listen, if they could acquire him, DeAndre Jordan, are we really going to sit here and say this bench is good? No, this bench is weak as hell. That's number one. Number two, they are the worst rebounding teams in the NBA. The only... Team that's worse than them is the Houston Rockets. They are terrible rebounding. When Joel, when Joel MB is off the floor, they're small. They're gonna get out, they're gonna, they're gonna get out rebound every single time. They're not a good rebounding team. And and only that, come playoff time. What's the one thing that we have said about James Harden? You're not getting them calls like you do in the regular season. So in playoff time, when teams get more physical. And you are, and you as James Harden or Joel Embiid, they are trying to draw fouls that you're normally not going to get. How are you going to be effective? I'm still worried about Joel Embiid's conditioning in the playoffs because that man all of a sudden gets tired, depending on how far he gets to the the postseason. Seriously. He's playing with an injury. Right. Play with an injury. But I'm not even talking about just from an injury standpoint. Is this man going to get tired? In a semifinals, in a semifinals in a game seven. Seriously. Seriously. Are we, is he gonna be tired already? So weak bench, uh, bad at rebounding, and where calls are not gonna go in your way for Harden and Embiid, how are you gonna be the favorites? Is this team, honestly, is this team really better than Milwaukee when healthy? No. No. Is this team really better than Brooklyn when healthy? No, no, no. And, and forget about Ben Simmons. Take Ben Simmons out. I still don't believe they're better. Are they better than the Miami Heat? Uh, I don't think so. Hey, but but if you do believe they're better than the Miami Heat, it's a toss-up. It could go either way, right? right? But I would say this right now. Right now, they are a third seed, and the sixth seed is the Boston Celtics, who has been playing very well. I'm not going to lie. If it's the 76ers versus the Celtics in the first round, I'm taking Boston over Philadelphia in six.
1: That is going to be a series without a doubt. And we're going to talk about Boston later.
0: Right. We're going to talk about Boston later. Because Boston has the bigs to guard Embiid. And Harden, let me just say this right now. Harden a number one. Number two, I ain't never going to trust Harden at all as a one or two. And And especially when Boston, who could play great defensively, and can make sure that Harden not getting the calls that he wants. Look, we all have seen James Harden's struggles in the playoffs. Trust me, Boston would expose that. Mm. So, so I don't. So so no, I don't have any. Cause I ain't worried about Philly if they go against Boston. Listen, they're a solid team, no doubt. But I'm not ready to say they are the favorites. All right, so we're gonna head to the NFL real quick. So there was a topic that L'Oreal that you wanted to bring up and. I'm thinking that maybe you want to start this off because, L'Oreal, this is this is for you, and I want to, you know, start this over. I mean, not start, not start it over, but, you know.
1: <laughs> Thank you, absolutely. So we're about to get started. So everybody knows about Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, of course, Aaron Rodgers did not have the most suspected season of what we just seen, but he is looking into future and brighter hopes into the next season, and one of those things that he's looking for it's more money. So according to ESPN's Diana Rossini, Aaron Rodgers reportedly wants to be the highest paid player in the entire NFL by a wide margin. So who is the highest paid player right now? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, is he's getting $45 million a year. Aaron Rodgers is looking to get at least 50 plus. Now, a lot of people, including former players and all of that, they believe that Aaron Rodgers' motives, you know, just don't really add up really. And A former player, former player of the Packers, Greg Jennings, he went on First Things First, and he said this about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been a very selfish guy. I go back to personal experiences. His words to me were, don't be that guy, all of a sudden, it's about the money. Hmm. That is interesting because, of course, if Aaron Rodgers were to take this deal with more money or any kind of deal, it can not only affect him, but it can affect other players like Devontae Adams who, you know, might not be with the Packers and other, you know, free agents as well. So Jabari, I do want to start out with this question with you. Does Aaron Rodgers deserve to be the highest paid player in the NFL?
0: That's interesting. Does he deserve it? I mean, after what he has done for his career, he's a back-to-back MVP. I mean, I wouldn't mind him being the the highest paid player in in the NFL. Sure, like he, he deserves it. But this man said he wants what 50 million per year? Hell no, I ain't giving this man 50 million per year. Are you out your damn mind? For what what? Why? Why would I get why why would I give you 50 million per year? For what? Just to make sure that oh, we could be possibly a number one seed and to at best get to the NFC championship game? What? What what for? Not only that, I still gotta make sure that I pay. Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers. No disrespect to him, not whatsoever. But this guy next season is making forty six million. Forty six million. And more than Patrick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More more than Patrick Mahomes. And we and we out here concerned about. Hey, I want to make. I want to be the highest paid player. What? So all this stuff for the past two three years, when you have when you have been having issues with the front office with the Green Bay Packers organization. First, it was, I didn't like that they drafted Jordan Love. I thought they should have made this team better. Then it was, oh, my God, I don't like the GM. Then um, what else is going on? What else? And then this whole thing about I'm not vaccinated, I'm immunized. What? What? what, Really? What the heck is going on? Now it's that I want to make $50 million per year. Is it about the money? That's the reason why you try to act like a diva in Green Bay for the money. I don't I don't understand why Aaron Rodgers is asking for 50 million dollars in the first place. He's making this a big deal. Like he's causing the scene once again in the offseason where I haven't made my full decision if I want to stay in Green Bay or not. Bro, if you want to stay in Green Bay, then let them know. Yes, I want to stay here. If you want to leave, then leave. But to ask, yeah, I want $50 million per year. Nah, man, not really. And if I'm Green Bay, I, I'm being honest with you right now. I don't know that I will want to keep Aaron Rodgers just to make sure that he's making $50 million per year. No, and, and honestly, I might, I might low-key say, hey, Jordan Love, are you ready? You ready to start? Let's do this. Because right now, Aaron Rodgers is great. He really is great. If the farthest thing you can go is the NFC championship since 2011, then it's time to move on. I I understand that anytime you have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, you always have a fighting chance. You will always be one of the best teams in the NFC. You're always going to go you listen, you're always going to win your division, well, most of the time, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying? I don't know if this is enough, man. They haven't been back since 2011. And so you mean to tell me that all you have done is Hey, best thing we could do is get to the MC championship, especially this, this past playoffs. That's it. And was owned by Jimmy G and the 49ers. Well, kind of with the 49ers, you know, not really Jimmy G. But you, you get what I'm saying. I don't understand why on earth you will want to give him a $50 million contract. Well, $50 million per year. He won back-to-back MVPs, and that still didn't matter.
1: Aaron Rodgers, he don't deserve to be the highest paid player. And it's plain and simple. You need to give the results in order to do that. Patrick Mahomes has given the results. That's why he's getting paid what he's getting paid. I mean, we can go as far as to Josh Allen. As far as I'm concerned, Josh Allen so far, and I believe really within the next couple of years, Josh Allen is meeting his expectations of being that quarterback for a Buffalo Bills franchise and doing what he has done. So he deserves his money. Aaron Rodgers you don't just get $50 million just because you're Aaron Rodgers and you're a part of the Green Bay Packers and, you know, you wear number 12 and you're so-called a bad man. No, you don't. And yes, like the past couple of years, I'm sorry. Like there's so many players that I could talk about where I feel like I will give them way more money or actually give them that money than Aaron Rodgers because I just don't think Aaron Rodgers deserved this money. I don't. Um, to be honest, if I feel like the pack, if the Packers should do anything, if they want to keep Rodgers, keep Rodgers, but don't keep Rodgers, I feel like if you're not going to keep Adams either, because with Adams, like that whole thing is a toss-up. Like he could actually leave, and the sad part is he could actually leave because of the simple fact that they can't pay him or they franchise tag him and all of that, and really, if I were the Packers, I would probably feel more crappy if I lost Devontae Adams over Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers, he's getting older. Aaron Rodgers, he can still do what he does as effective as he can do as a quarterback. But for the Packers, if you want to try to win again very soon, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. I think that they should give Jordan Love a chance. Um, There's been a lot of rumors as far as the Packers, they don't mind trading Aaron Rodgers, but the thing is is they're trying to negotiate with other teams and make a most reasonable trade of course. But for the Packers, I think if you want to just start fresh and really think about trying to get into the mode that you want to get, then I think that it's best to maybe not draft another quarterback, but do the trade. Probably get another quarterback who could play alongside Jordan Love, and if he does better than Love, then start him and see what happens. But Like I said, I think this honeymoon or relationship with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it needs to go. It needs to go because Aaron Rodgers has shown more that he can just be a diva and just think that he can just have his way than really actually be a good football player and play some football. And that just don't make no sense
0: to me. He has to be honest. Stop with this passive-aggressive crap. Just yes. be real upfront. Sure. You want to be here or not. The Pittsburgh has hired Brian Flores as a senior defensive assistant coach and a linebacker coach. And pretty much this has obviously has been news because Brian Flores is a former head coach from the Miami Dolphins. And he is the guy who did sue the NFL. He is currently suing the NFL. There's a lot of people who has mixed feelings about him accepting this job right now. So I want to bring this up because I thought this was very interesting to talk about. For Brian Flores to currently sue the NFL, does accepting this job makes him look good or bad?
1: I think it makes him look good. And I think people got to understand that just because Brian Flores did do this lawsuit and he is currently suing the NFL, it doesn't mean that him getting the job, you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, diminishes that lawsuit because the lawsuit is still relevant there's still many issues across the board beyond Brian Flores. When you think about the hiring, the interview process, just the whole process in general, when it comes to black head coaches, um, black assistants, black executives, basically any black person trying to get into the NFL within those coaching jobs or executive positions, but they can't get it because of unfair and racist and prejudice practices that can still happen today. So just because Flores did get the job, Does not mean that we should just diminish this lawsuit because it's still relevant and it's still going to be relevant, even if he is working with Pittsburgh, how long he's going to work with Pittsburgh, just throughout the course of you know, these next like couple years, really, for the NFL. This is going to be a big main topic. Now, when we talk about Flores with this job, he definitely did earn it. And I think more so. We have to look at Mike Tomlin and think, you know, he was probably the main reason why he wanted to get Flores this job because Flores, not only as a head coach, but as a man, especially as a black man, and Flores has said this numerous times, especially when he has spoke about this lawsuit. He never wants to be in a position that could hurt his team, that could hamper his team or damage his team. And whatever position he is, whether it be a head coach, or what he's doing right now is being um, a defensive assistant and a linebacker coach. He's going to do whatever he can to stand on to his brothers, to his fellow players, and to help them any way that he can. I think Flores is going to be very exciting to see what he can do in this position. Because we know that Pittsburgh, they have one of the best defenses in the league. So I think Flores, his mentorship and leadership, I think is going to be exciting to see what's going to happen to the Pittsburgh defense moving forward. And like I said, this is really speaks on. I think that this move, this speaks more on the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially Mike Tomlin, because for them to be able to see the worth in Flores, to see what he can do as a head coach, as a man, you know, to see what can he bring to the table for this Pittsburgh Steelers team for the you know the upcoming season, the next upcoming seasons, they see value in him. And I think that they really value that. Unlike other people, like the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, um, the New England Patriots, and any other organization that didn't give that much value to Flores, Pittsburgh is giving him that value. Now, we can think of it, you know, as them maybe saving face because we know that um, the past couple of seasons or this season, a lot of people thought that Pittsburgh, you know, maybe want to fire Mike Tomlin, which is completely ridiculous because when you think of Mike Tomlin, the fact that this man, has not had a losing season ever since he started his career in Pittsburgh, why would you even want to think about firing him? Like, that's just ridiculous to even think about that. But for Flores, like I said, this shouldn't diminish anything about his lawsuit because as long as Brian Flores can still have a job and he still have the credentials to get a job, this doesn't change anything. We still have this issue in the NFL. Roger Cadell, several others, they have spoke about what they, quote-unquote, Think they should do about the situation, but until we see any action really happening from this lawsuit, I don't think people should find out about Flores getting a job that he clearly deserves.
0: Give credit to Mike Tomlin, he he has one of his own. Listen, he, he black man Brian Flores, he said, Listen, I got a job available, would you, you want to take it? Cool, we support you, let's do it. And obviously, Mike Tomlin is one of those black coaches who for some reason is on a hot seat according to the lead or according to the media, because, because for some reason, he hasn't won a championship championship since over a decade for, listen, it's, it's crazy that people are always wondering if Mike Tomlin should be gone. I, I, I don't understand why Mike Tomlin, who, who has never had a losing season, but anyway, I don't have a problem with Brian Flores accepting a job. My thing is that um, I think that this is probably the wrong question to ask. Maybe say it doesn't make him look good or good, look bad. I don't like the fact that he accepted this job and here's the reason why I didn't like it because this man was talking about, listen, he wanted to be a head coach. Now I understand, listen, you, you're going for a job because it was, it was, it was offered. And Mike Tomlin, who is a black head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers gave you the, the opportunity and you accepted. Cool. I understand. I want him to focus so much on suing the NFL on what the lead has done what the New York Giants have done, with um, John Elway, the team executive from the Denver Broncos, has done, and all that, what Steven Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, has done. I want him to focus mostly, mostly on that. We, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think he will ever get himself an opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL ever again. I don't think it's going to happen because, because he's currently suing the NFL. I just don't see it's going to happen. But I would just love to see him focus more on what he has to do to win this case, to showcase how racist the NFL is. But seriously, how racist the NFL is. And I remember one time there was this, there was, this, um, there was a tweet that I saw. Shout out, for Jam- shout out to Jamel Hill, by the way. Jamel shout Hill.
1: Jamel from the D,
0: baby. Yeah, shout out to Jamel Hill. This is what she said on Twitter. She said, NFL owners are aware of the optics again they don't care about being racist they care about looking racist flores was hired because they can't keep banishing black men who stand up to them this also why every black coach needs to join flores lawsuit embarrass the owners i agree i agree i agree because these oh because listen everyone keeps saying like what 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 could Roger Goodell can do with Lee? There's a lot of things that Roger Goodell could do. Don't get me started by Roger Goodell, the commissioner. These owners, you already know what the deal is. They care so much. They don't care about being racist. They care about looking racist. And to not give these Black black candidates an opportunity to be a head coach is ridiculous. It is flat out ridiculous. You don't want them to coach these predominantly Black football teams. Really? There's always an issue when it comes to black men being head coaches in the in, in the league, especially in the NFL. And for Brian Flores, I just care about him exposing these owners because these owners are the one that's really controlling most of these things. Think about this: you could be a general manager all you want to, but if the owner has the final say, what more can you do? Yeah. What more can you do? I listen. I have no problem with him taking this job. Like I said before, I, I'm not going to say that it makes him look good or look bad. I think I just don't think he should have took this job. Because I'm so focused on him worrying about the lawsuit and exposing the NFL. That's my thing. I want him to expose them for how racist these owners have been. Don't be surprised if the media says, like, let's, let's say the Steelers are struggling next season. I won't be surprised if anybody says, hmm, this is the opportunity that Brian Flores can be a head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe they should get rid of Mike Tomlin. Think, think about this. Yeah. And now we are heading off to Major League Baseball. I never thought that this lockout would be this long, but apparently it has. Last week, L'Oreal, we were talking about how, man, the lead and the players association were still negotiating on a new, well, a new CBA deal. And apparently they didn't, it didn't reach. It didn't reach that deal. They had until February 28th and 13 negotiating sessions over 16 and a half hours. It went from I don't know what time it started, but they and it ended at two thirty a.m. on March first. They decided mm-hmm. they decided to expand that to two, this past Tuesday, March first, at uh, five p.m. as the deadline. And once they realized that they were not going to reach an agreement on a new CBA. Commissioner Rob Manfred canceled the first two series of the regular season, which means we will not have opening day. Now, usually the season will start on March 31st, but unfortunately that that will not happen. So instead of the teams playing 162 games, they'll be playing 156. Now, people are probably wondering, what are they talking about? Why are they keep on negotiating? What's going on? One of the things that the players and the owners are disputing about is this the luxury tax thresholds and rates, minimum salaries, the union's desire to change club's revenue sharing formula, the desire of players getting a certain amount of money, and the size of a new bonus pool for pre-arbitration players. They did talk about how they want to expand the postseason. Instead of having 10, they want to have 12, but unfortunately, they were not able to get the job done. Loyal, with this lockout that has started from December 1st, and it's going, to, it's going to continue in April, does this lockout hurt Major League Baseball?
1: I think that this lockout tremendously hurts Major League Baseball. And the main reason why is that it's just very, very unfortunate. I know for lots of baseball fans like you Jabari that this situation is just greatly taking away the true love of the game. And I think it's sad. And I really want to know what's going on. I remember I alluded to this a couple shows ago where I do think that this CBA between the players and the owners is going to be revolutionary. It's going to be something that we haven't seen before yet. And it's going to be something that I think that will elevate what we know of the MLB players and the MLB Players Association greatly. Because we already know that With baseball, and when you think about baseball players, and when you think about the Baseball Players Association, they take a lot of pride of making the league the way they want it to be. They take a lot of pride of asking for the money that they think that they deserve, based on when you really look at these contracts and how much money they're getting, and also what's really in the contract as well. And especially for the players and the Players Association, like I said, they just want the league, to be what it's supposed to be. I think the owners, I'm sure, are getting in the way of it because we know owners of any type of stature, whether it be MLB, NBA, NFL, these people hold a lot of the money and these people hold a lot of the power. And despite the MLBPA being as powerful as it is, as opposed to other players associations across sports, there's still going to be that conflict and that dilemma of trying to deal with the owners and trying to deal with Manfred and everyone else so you could try to get what you want. And unfortunately, it's just really turning to a really bad whirlwind. And I just think it's really hurting the game of baseball because it's sad that we can't have opening day. It's sad that we don't even know when the season is going to happen because we had situations where When we had that one lockout where it got so bad to the point where they, the league was postponed, I believe, for months and months. I mean, we don't want that to happen again. And most importantly, I'm sure the MLB, hopefully, they need to be thinking about how this looks, you know, for them. Because for them, everybody's looking at MLB differently. And they have before in the past. But most definitely, they're looking at them differently. Because a lockout like this should not be happening. There should be just some kind of equilibrium between these players and owners. Like the fact that they met for over 16 hours over the stuff that you just mentioned, Jabari, about changing salaries, changing how the postseason is, changing, you know, certain rules within the CBA, it's really tough and it's really complicated. And sadly, we're in a situation right now where. We don't know when we're gonna have baseball because unfortunately, whatever is going on between these players and these owners, it's gotta be something that I think is going to shake things up. Because if it was something minor, then I think this lockout would have happened long ago. This started out in December. We are almost about four to five months into this lockout. That's really bad. That's really bad. And I love baseball, especially what I saw this past season. I want baseball to be back as soon as possible. And whatever the CBA is, whatever can happen so that the players and the owners can be happy, please make that
0: happen. I have been living for 28 years. The last time Major League Baseball had a strike was in 1994 to a little bit of 1995. I was about one, two years old, really one years old. And when that strike happened, that it, it personally didn't affect me because I was a baby. Like, what am I going to do? I'm a baby. But I remember when people told me about that strike, how upset they were because the strike happened in the middle of the season. No playoffs, no World Series. And then they had to wait until April 1995 for something to happen. It mm-hmm. was not good, not whatsoever. So personally, it didn't really affect me. But I did see other lockouts, other strikes, other lockouts, like, for example, the NHL lockout 0405 that had Damn. a major impact that was who asked the hockey fans how they felt that's one the 2011 NBA lockout what happened there now eventually they had an NBA season but still that took until Christmas day of 2011 that's when they start the NBA season Christmas day we can go with the NFL when they Kind of had an NFL lockout, but eventually they had their 16 game football season. And listen, there are other reasons why it happened. For example, two years ago in the pandemic, COVID happened. The season could not start in April because look, we remember for four or five months, all sports leagues were shut down. No season, everything was paused. By March 2020, the NFL already had their season, the NBA was still having their season, and the NHL was having their season major league baseball didn't have their season yet and with this pandemic that was going on when are we going to start our season and they took until july to finally start their season they played mm-hmm. 60 games they made less money obviously they sacrificed money they had to make sure that look we're not going to have any fans in the attendance for the regular season the owners knew that and the players knew that and they had to do whatever it takes to sacrifice for that year Major League Baseball has been losing money for what, the last five years? And it's not just because, because of the pandemic. It's because of other reasons as well. And the players are not liking the fact that the salaries that they're making has decreased. They're not yeah. liking the, it. So they're not liking that. You can look at the owners and saying, well, we don't like the fact that we're making less money than we were 10 years ago. But at the same time, we'll look at the players. And people might say that, well, look at these millionaires they're so selfish. Think about this. 71% of the players in Major League Baseball are making at least or less than $1 million. So it's not about, being, about helping out the millionaires because the majority are not millionaires. And the owners need to step up and pay these players. We can talk about how we're blaming the players for this and that. But all we're saying is, let us get our fair share. These owners are going to make up their money eventually. They own the team. They're going to own i just don't understand why we're in this situation again and i just want to have a baseball season so i want but the fact that we might have to wait a little bit longer look hopefully we still have it in april i'll be happy about that but i don't like the fact that we're having this lockout we can't afford to lose any fans so let's get started with the boss podcast quick takes and we're going to get this show on the road so A couple days ago, Derek Jeter has stepped down as the CEO of the Miami Marlins after being there for four seasons. In those four years, they were, well, the Miami Marlins were 218 to 327. That was their record. And they went to the playoffs one time, and that was in 2020 when they were in the pandemic. And that was the expanded playoff bracket. I'm just going to start right here. It's interesting that Derek Jeter was stepped down while the players and the owners are having this dispute about the new CBA. So look, I, I'm, I'm amazed that that's happening. Now, obviously Derek Jeter, he doesn't like to be in a franchise where they're losing because he's all about winning. He came from the, from the New York Yankees. I mean, come on now. All he did was win in, in New York. So I'm not surprised not one bit that he decided to step down because maybe he might be on ESPN. It is what it is. By March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern, the Indianapolis Colts would either trade or release Carson Wentz. And obviously, as you know, last year they traded all those draft picks. I don't know how many draft picks they traded off just to get a quarterback named Carson Wentz. And what did that lead them to this past season? No playoffs. So, L'Oreal, what are your thoughts about this?
1: I think that for the Colts, they need to get rid of Carson Wentz. And I think that if you're going to do it, I think the trade is reasonable. I don't know if the Colts might be attracted to a Jimmy Garoppolo or any type of other quarterback like that. But there are quarterbacks out there that I think that they could work with. I think that the team beyond Carson Wentz, I think they're talented. I love their running back. I love Michael Pittman. I think the Colts have a decent defense. You just need to find that quarterback that can really pull the strings all together. And unfortunately, Carson wasn't it due to his injuries and other things. I think that they can do with a much better quarterback that can help them, especially get in the playoffs,
0: at least. The Boston Celtics have been on a roll as of late, they have won 16 out of their last 21 games, 12 out of their last 14 games. They are 37 and 27, seed in the East. They are on a tear here. How far can the Celtics go? Boston could go all the way to the Conference Finals if you ask me. If you look at the teams that, that are like right in front of them, I think they can beat Miami, Chicago Bulls, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and can they beat Milwaukee? It's a toss-up. I mean, it's a toss-up, but would I be surprised? No, because I think that Boston is that good. The only team I would say, I'm I'm questioning it, is the Brooklyn Nets. But I do believe they can go all the way to the conference finals. Now, let's be real right here. All these haters that were saying they should break up this duo, Tatum and Brown, get the heck out of here. They're playing very well. Udoka, he's doing a good job as a coach who I thought he was going to do. I thought he was going to be a good coach, and he is a good coach. 6C. They're going to be a top 4C, guarantee it, by the end of this season. Watch out. in points allowed, second in defensive efficiency. Watch it. They are only getting better. They're not done yet. Just watch. Just watch. Last but not least, but Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians was talked about, you know, the possibility that Tom Brady could go to a different team. And he said, look, He's not ruling out that Tom Brady could come back to play football for the Buccaneers, but he's not going to trade him to anywhere else. Not not 49ers or whatever team y'all going to mention, but if he comes back, he will play for the Buccaneers, no one else. L'Oreal, do you see Tom Brady coming back to play football?
1: I don't think that Tom Brady will come back. I think that when he officially said that he was going to retire. I think he truly meant it. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Tom Brady doing another season, but I don't see Tom doing any more seasons of that. I mean, the man is old. He has a wife, lovely kids, loving family. I think he just wants to enjoy what he has right now with his time. And I think that we should just continue to give him his flowers and just appreciate him for what he has done. And he's still the go by.
0: So heading back to the NBA, um, we got to talk about this. And I did not know this was going to be once again news, but for some reason, he's always in the news. So once again, as we said before, Zion Williamson has not played a game this year. So when is he going to come back? We don't know. He's probably not going to play at all. There have been, as we have known as of late, reports that he has not spoken to CJ McCollum Until last week. I mean, it took a while, you know, for them to talk. Zion Williamson has stayed away from the Pelicans organization for a while. There's a disconnect and distrust between Zion and the Pelicans organization. There has been a dispute between Zion and the GM, David Griffin, who helped LeBron James win a championship in Cleveland, by the way. Zion Williamson has played 85 games, just be very clear. It's in his third year, and we spoke about this, that he's on his rookie deal. Many people are saying that Zion Williamson no longer wants to be in New Orleans. He wants out. And like I said, he's on his rookie deal. And we don't know if he's he's going to accept the contract extension or not. We never see anybody who would turn down a max contract extension on their rookie contract. And I just want to say this right now. For the folks who are saying that he should force his way out of New Orleans. I'm going to be real. If Zion Williamson forces his way out out of New Orleans while he's on his rookie contract, this will be bad for the league. Not only that, Zion Williamson, this man has played 85 games. This 85 games and has not played this year. What the hell does Zion Williamson have the nerve to say, I want out if he wants to. Really? Are you serious? And this is the problem that I've had with the NBA as of late. We've been saying how many players that once out forces forces their way out and they bounce. Kyrie, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, James Harden, uh, who else? John Wall. Who, who else have we met? I'm, I'm thinking someone. Ben Simmons. Oh, my God. Ben Simmons. The list goes on. and on. The, the list goes on. on. Here's, here's, a, here's a better one. We got players like freaking Thonmaker who won it out of Milwaukee when he was playing in the league. Freaking Thonmaker. Are you freaking kidding me? Buddy Hill, when, when he was with the Sacramento Kings, won it out. And he was, what, his contract, he was like, he had like three, four years left on his deal? At this, I don't understand... What the heck's going on? At this point, it doesn't matter if you are on the last year of your deal, two, three, four years, or you just sign a contract extension. It doesn't matter if a player wants out for some reason, they get out. And I don't understand at this point if players can just easily say, I want out, and they get traded right away. What's the point of having a guaranteed contract? Seriously, what is the point? What is the point? Because basically, I don't need to give you guaranteed money if I know for a fact you can just easily just walk out like that. To say, hey, I want out. Trade me here. Boom. And then mess up my franchise? Seriously. And for Zion Williamson, you a one-time all-star. You can't even stay healthy. If this man seriously is claiming that he wants out, then this is some weak stuff. I'm sorry. This is weak as hell. Don't be mad because you have issues with the organization. You didn't want to talk to CJ McCollum until someone had to call you out. Don't get mad mad because a former teammate, J.J. Reddick, called you out. Let's just say that he does one out. Where is he going to go? Where is he going? New York? He he wants to go to New York Knicks? Play with who? R.J. Barrett? Cam Reddish? The Knicks ain't going no damn where. Are you out your freaking mind? He wants to go to New York? Are you serious? Are you going to say the Knicks is a better chance to win than the Pelicans? Are you out your flipping mind? Stop it. And he has no power. Zion Williamson has no power. You are a restricted free agent in 2023. I, I'm sorry. I just can't deal with this, L'Oreal. I, I, I'm getting tired of these players saying, I want out at any time and they don't face any consequences. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about from the public's you know case or people booing you. I'm sorry. And, and you guys thought that this was bad. This y'all thought that with Major League Baseball with their lockout is bad. Just wait until the NBA deals with the CBA once again. Those owners and the players, they will be fighting. Yeah. But I don't want to hear damn thing about Zion Wins. Zion wanted out.
1: Zion Williamson forcing his way out of New Orleans will be absolutely bad for the NBA. And before I even go on about Zion Williamson, I want to say this because I think it's very, very important. When you look at how much power NBA players have and how much power they are displaying, when we look at Zion, when we look at all these other players like Ben Simmons and even Paul George, if David Stern was still the commissioner in this league, this would never happen period, point blank. This would never happen. And David Stern, he was a commissioner where, like his last name, he was not playing around when it, came to, when it came to a lot of things, especially the stuff like this. It was no way, as a rookie, like imagine LeBron James being a rookie, and then three three or four years later, he just wanted to leave Cleveland. He couldn't do that. <laughs> he couldn't do that. Kevin did that's like Kevin Durant, if he went to OKC. And then three to four years later, he just wanted to leave. He couldn't do that. Like David Stern, when he was a commissioner, one thing he did was he laid down the rules. He made sure players didn't do stuff like this. He made sure players didn't have too much power just because stuff like this was happening, which is happening right now, and et cetera, and et cetera. Now, back to Zion. I mean, this kid, oh, God. I don't even, I really don't know what to say much about him because, again, This is just stuff that we're hearing. Eventually, when we see that day and that day comes, it's going to be, you know, one or either choices. Zion stays or he goes. But if this man forces his way out, I just don't understand that. Like, I just do not understand that. And I understand that I know when I speak about Zion, it sounds like I have a vendetta against him. I think that he's a nice man. I think that Zion Williamson has more time to prove to, you know, what he wants to prove to us, I think the kid is still talented. But I'm sorry, dog. This is just really the most immature thing that I've seen, I think, when it comes to a player. And the reason why I say immature is that when you think about what JJ said on first take just about Zion being that guy, he's right. Like, when you're an athlete, you have to think about more than just beyond yourself. And we don't know what Zion is going through mentally. He could be going through a lot mentally. You know, I'm sure physically it's taking a toll on him. And I hope that he's okay with whatever recovery he has. But still, you still have to show up first as a player. And you have to show up first as the franchise player. It will be different. We was talking about Brandon Ingram or, you know what I'm saying, or other players like that. But we, we don't need to talk Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram, he's been showing up to work. All these other players, they've been showing up to work. C.J. McCollum, he's been showing up to work since he's been a part of the Pelicans. And I love what is happening so far because even without Zion, the team is still playing. You still have a reasonable lineup. But when we go back to Zion, it just comes across as immature what he's doing. Because when you are the franchise player, you have to show a little bit more. Like you have to show who you are as a franchise player and who you are as Zion Williamson. And I think it would be very, very pathetic if he forces his way out and then all of a sudden goes to New York or he goes to another team and this and that. Because with the New York thing, there's rumors that he really wanted to go to New York. And in reality, he didn't want to go to the Pelicans. But also too, guess what? You don't always get what you want. So if you're treating the Pelicans and and if you're treating David Griffin like this, because of how you felt when you got drafted, I mean, that's on you, bro, but when we're talking about business, and we're talking about being an athlete, playing for a team, playing for owners, people that are paying you, you have to do something better, and Zion right now, he's not really showing me anything about being a leader, he's not showing me anything about being a franchise player, none of that, so like I said, when you Oregon is a Zion, they need to cut it. I think they will be done if they give him a contract extension. I really do. I think that will be done. 85 games and even the games that he's played, it didn't make the Pelicans go really high or exceed expectations. And also, too, you're wasting time. And I feel bad for players like C.J. McCollum. Who's coming off of you know a bad situation in Portland, and then you're trying to play with these other young guys, and you can't get the franchise guy to even talk to you until a week later? Like, what is that? Is disrespectful to Brandon Ingram, who has been literally grinding ever since he has been a part of this Pelicans team? Is disrespectful to a Valanchunas? Is disrespectful to other young guys, veterans? Is very disrespectful to the new head coach Willie Green. Was trying to do the best of what he can as a black coach with this young team, what Zion is doing is just disrespectful, period. And I hope that he don't think that we just picking on him and stuff. Like what we're saying and what JJ said, and he said it best, you have to understand who you are as an athlete. And as an athlete and as a franchise player of a franchise, like the new Orleans Pelicans, you have to do more and you have to fulfill up to your job. And I don't think Zion is fulfilling up to his job like he thinks he might be or what people claim to be.
0: We're hearing all this stuff about what Zion Williamson doesn't like, what he does like. He wants to go to New York. All I want, I just want to say this. For a man who, well, I'm not, let's put it this way. We have nothing personal against Zion. It's nothing personal. Nothing personal against the players. It ain't even like that. We call it how we see it. We see how you doing it on the court and what it relates to the game that's pretty much it get your team to the playoffs first then talk about that you won out Thank other you. than that i don't want to hear another ball you won out Psst, you want your rookie deal stop it all right so last but not least look the nba season is uh, about to come to an end i mean everybody has at least played like what over 50 games right now so we got like what like over 20 games so so let's let's go ahead and talk about this the MVP a lot of people that's in the MVP conversation, you know, at one point it was Chris Paul that was in it, but unfortunately he's hurt. Curry, but we, you know, that student slump that happened in January and, well, really in, starting December and then to February has been great. Some people might say Butler, Giannis and B, Joker, Luka, Ja, you know, and speaking of Ja, we got to get credit to Ja Moran. He's been balling. I mean Drop balling the last time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, against the Spurs. I mean, why, why you gotta do the Spurs? But <laughs> but you know, let's get started right now, L'Oreal. Who is the MVP?
1: My NBA MVP for this season is going to be Joel. And here's why. Joel Embiid is averaging astronomical numbers at this point. The best numbers we have ever seen in his entire career. 29, 11 and 4. He has improved drastically when you think about his field goal percentage, at least 50%. And when you think about his um, his three-point percentage, which is up to 40%. But besides the numbers, when you look at how Joel plays, he plays like an MVP. Like, think about it. The past 10 or 20 games, Joel Embiid has averaged at least 30 points a game. That's pretty good. And that's pretty good when you think about a center in this league because centers – even though we know that they're still in the evolutionary process, there's still a lot of players like Joel or Joker or Giannis that has to work individually on their skills in order to really go up in the center position. And I think with Joel, he is doing that. Joel is shooting as good as Steph Curry, even better. Joel is playing better defense than a lot of these other centers. Joel, when you think about his player usage rating, he used – a great amount of his minutes, especially for a guy that we know is injury prone and can have injuries, you know, especially throughout his career. And also when you think about Philadelphia, Philadelphia being third right now, when you think about Joel playing well, when you think about the whole Ben Simmons fiasco, and also I think especially now that you have James Harden to the picture and you have other guys that can contribute as well, like Maxie, Joel Embiid is still an important part of this team. And I think if it wasn't for Joel Embiid playing the way that he does, I don't think that Philly would be the team that they are. Because we know Joel, Joel, he had injury problems. He was injury prone. Then what we've seen from last season, even the season before last season, we have seen improvements. And I think that this season we're seeing a great drastic improvement when we look at Joel. Joel, he can outplay players like Giannis or like AD, Joel Embiid, he could be your leading scorer. He, Joel Embiid now, he knows how to take more responsibility, I think more than before. And when you look at all these other games, especially with Harden now into the picture, Joel is still averaging 30. So, and especially now that Harden's a part of Philly, that's going to take even less pressure off of Embiid so that he can just cook and do what he want to do. And I think that when you look at Philly right now, and when you look at, When you think of like a real MVP, I think Joel deserves to be said as the MVP because Philly would not be where they are right now if it's not for what Joel is doing. I think what Joel is doing goes beyond numbers and even beyond the eye test. This man is just playing absolute great basketball right now. And I think it's good to see from everybody because we didn't think Joel would even get to this point. So the fact that Joel is getting to this point is seeding expectations doing what he has to do for the Philadelphia 76ers, I have to go with Joel as my MVP.
0: That's a good point. I mean, you, you better make sure that, uh, that James Harden doesn't mess up Joel, Joel Embiid's you know, MVP consideration. <laughs> I'm just saying hey, be- I don't think so. Yeah, you just better hope that he don't mess so. up that MVP consideration. Now, anyway, I'm going to go with DeMar Rosen. And here's the reason why. DeMar Rosen is averaging 28 points, five assists, five rebounds, shooting 51% from the, from the floor. DeMar DeRozan, let's just keep it real. This is the same person who people say DeMar DeRozan going to the Bulls was the worst move of the free agency. This was the worst free agency move in the offseason. And that led to the Bulls to be the second seed. This man is balling. They are 39 and 23. Why? Because DeMar DeRozan is leading them to a top two seed. DeMar DeRozan is the reason. And we can talk about Zach Levine, but when Zach Levine was out, they were still top two seed. Alice Caruso's out. Patrick Williams is out. And at times, Nikola Vucevic was out as well. And Lonzo Ball, let's not forget about Ball. That Ball, he was out as well. But for some reason, DeRozan was able to still keep this team where it's at. And let's be real, no disrespect to all those guys, but DeRozan knows how to be in these situations. DeRozan has been in a situation where he has been with a team that was a top two seed. Before DeRozan came, Lonzo Ball, the farthest thing that he went to in New Orleans and LA was no playoffs. Zach Levine went to zero playoff appearances. Nikola Vucevic, no insult to him. He got to the playoffs, but he only won two playoff games in two playoff series. And they were all in the first round. Oh, yeah. Two playoff games. Two playoff games. Yeah, sure, that's more than Andrew Wiggins because he only has one playoff game victory. DeMar DeRozan has at least been to the conference finals. Let's not forget who DeMar DeRozan is. When this yes. guy was in Toronto, that man was balling. He was easily their best player, and he took them to new heights. The only thing that he didn't do is make sure they won a championship. That's it. And looking at how Chicago is, does anybody believe that they will be a top two seed without DeRozan? No. No way. It's no, way. no. No way. No way. No how. Now give credit. I understand that beat is doing his thing, especially they added Harden. But what Chicago is doing, they are more surprising than the 76ers. I didn't think they were gonna be top two, top two seed in the East? I mean, if anything, you would have said top five, top six, maybe top seven. Yeah, sure. But top two? Now I'm very surprised. And for him to put the team on his back, be in clutch. Yes. I got to give it to DeRozan, real talk. I understand that he's not the shiny new toy. He's not a popular guy because he played with Toronto and San Antonio, and he came to Chicago. An MVP right here should be in Chicago. He ain't Michael Jordan, but he's damn sure is valuable. He's putting
1: up buckets like him at
0: this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Shout out to everyone else, but it's to Rosa. All right folks, that's it for the Bounce Podcast episode 62. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and YouTube folks. I want you to like, comment, subscribe, download us folks. I want you to share this to your family members, to your friends, your associates y'all know what the deal is we hear every weekend before we go i just want to let it be known it is reported that kevin durant kevin durant the grim reaper will be back on thursday against the miami heat because they do need him and uh yes berkeley <laughs> needs some help yes. <laughs> so they, they, he is the uh the mvp of that team and they need a safety net because lord have mercy man whoop, they need all those wins to uh to be prepared for the playoffs. And knowing that Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns is now in health and safety protocol. So that means that God knows how long he's going to be out. But uh hopefully, hopefully it's not that long because he's out, Chris Paul's out. So now they gotta rely upon Aaron Holiday, Landry shamet But uh, you know, it's it's DeAndre Aiden's time to be their best player and to see if they can keep that number one seat, But we'll see what happens. But um NBA is here. L'Oreal, what you got to say about that?
1: I am happy, so happy. Everything's good when KD is back. <laughs> and hopefully with KD being back, finally we can get this new era Brooklyn started. And when Ben Simmons come back, and hopefully with the whole Kyrie situation, we can just have Brooklyn being the team that we know that they can be. Hopefully. Um, aside from that, Phoenix, that's sad that um, Devin Booker is gone because even if DeAndre Aiden could be your best player, you don't have no backcourt, and that kind of sucks. And for Phoenix, they do have one of the best backcourts in the NBA with a Devin Booker and yep. a Chris Paul period. So Indeed. not having that, um, there is going to be a lot of depletion, but hopefully with this being health and safety protocols, Devin Booker can come back very soon, yeah. and things can go right into rotation. Because they haven't lost too many games yet, too many games yet, but we still got a long way to go.
0: Well, I don't know what their next game is going to be, but hopefully that, uh, you know, it's not that bad. But anyway, it is what it is. Thank you for listening to The Bounce Podcast, episode 62. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. Peace!